What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Diamond Talk, where we can officially say we are going to have an MLB season. It was kind of sketchy there for a while, I'm not going to lie. I, I was one of the believers that thought we were not going to see baseball in, in the major league level, at least. But, you know, things came together, and luckily, we are going to have a season. Yo, Rob, Nick, how are you guys doing? Hey, what's going on, man? Uh, definitely feels good to be here. Definitely feels good to know that baseball's back. Feels good to know that Daniel was wrong on his prediction. You know, it's oh, it, 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 oh it's God. one of the, yeah, it's one of those that you hate to make, but you also want to be wrong, right? Because we yeah, just yeah. love the sport and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think the break that we took that 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 one week break that we took, I think that's what did it for the MLB. You know, I think I think that one week break with Diamond Talk off the air gave Manfred and, and the owners a little bit of time to like discuss with the players and stuff. Because I think they've been spending a lot of their time listening to our episodes. I think that's what's <laughs> been like you know holding them up. So. But yeah, it's good to have baseball back, definitely. Yeah, man, same. Just glad baseball's back. I was on the same page as Daniel, not thinking this would happen this year or it'd be just a really short year. Uh, already expecting the Dodgers to win as long as it was less than 162 games. So they'd have two, you know, if they put the two titles together, it might equal one, 50-50 ring or something like that. But no, definitely super excited. I thought we were going to miss a lot more games. I get to go to my Giants home opener, even though I'm not a Giants fan, but keep that family tradition going. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the season. Looking forward to talking about these outfielders here too. Yeah, and, you know, just stay on, on you know, all the bargaining for a little bit. It was really obviously, it was really obvious that, you know, both these guys wanted a season, right? Like, the, the owners wanted a season, right? Like, they, they lose a lot of money if they don't open their doors. The players obviously wanted a season, too. What we saw, I think, was a lot of, especially from the player side, this usually happens from the player side, they left a lot on the table. That they're like, look. We're okay for the next five years with this. We'll come back and re-examine that stuff again. So, you know, with that, there's also some other news, right? So, you know, we knew that DH was going to come to the to the NL. That's official. Uh, we no longer have the runner starting at second extra inning rule. I kind of liked it in the regular season, at least. I thought it was a good way to, to end some games a little bit quicker. No more double headers. No, no I'm sorry. No more uh, seven inning double headers. There's still nine inning double headers when needed. Let's see. Some good stuff. No, no robo umps. We don't have any clarity on any of the shifting rules. But what was established was a committee of players, an umpire, and I want to say owners that they'll be able to judge new rules and, and implement them. Right? Uh, that's the other thing too. The MLB front offices, right, the, the owners, they can implement a rule as long as there's like a 30-day notice before it's implemented. So so some good stuff, some some weird stuff, but overall the point is that, that, that we have baseball, and that's really important stuff, man. Is, is there any takeaway from you guys from what you've seen? I, I know it's right now it's still going around. No one really knows all the details. Pretty much we know, we know the major details. But, you know, Rob, was, was there anything that you caught that was like, oh, this is interesting? Uh, no, I think, you know, if, if you were expecting an agreement to come into place, these were kind of things that you were expecting, right? Like there was a negotiation that needed to take place. We talked about it last episode, the owners, the numbers that the owners came out with originally were like laughable, um, simply because you saw if, if you knew, if you saw the numbers of what the players wanted and you saw the offer that the owners hit them back with, it wasn't a serious offer. 
right? Like, they, like there wasn't any type of movement. So that we didn't, we weren't really expecting much because we saw what the initial offer was, which, which again, it's like, it's like what I said, once you see that the, that the initial offer was, you know, to move the, the, the threshold to 220, and now it's up to 230, which, which is what ended up passing. It's going up to, to $230 million from $210 million this past season. Um, which the I believe the players were asking for two thirty eight. I, I think that's what they were asking for in the first year of the of the CBA. Mm-hmm. So they almost got to that number. Um, overall, they wanted it to rise closer to the two hundred sixty range, and I think it's only going to rise up to the two forty ish to uh, almost two fifty ish range. Um, so, but it, it's a bump. Either way, it's a bump. We all knew what the what the lockout was about. The players lost a lot of things. Um, in the last CBA and they were, they, they, I, in my opinion, they were right. Like I am definitely on the player's side, right? Like I think the, I think the players definitely lost out on the last CBA, but I think the players also came about it too aggressively this time, right? Where they, they, they tried to gain a lot of it back immediately instead of going it about this way gradually, which is, which is what we're going to get. But, but at the end of the day, the player, the players were, were, were in the right, in my opinion. Um, because the own again that first offer that the owners threw at them was laughable. Um, I'm glad we're gonna have baseball. Um, in terms of some of the rules, it yeah, it's it's things that we've talked about for a while now. The universal DH, it's, it's gonna impact people's jobs. Like like it or not, it's gonna impact people's jobs. It opens up 15 new jobs overall over on the NL. That it, plain and simple. Like uh, some guys are gonna are gonna start to make decent more more decent money now because you'll actually have a a a position that you can fulfill. Um, every single day i know people will have their opinions about pitchers hitting and, and things like that but i mean that's the rule that passed so we're gonna we're getting the universal dh and and i think it was a rule that we were kind of expecting but it's just gonna be interesting to see how more of these rules take take place uh not only in the short but long term too it's gonna be crazy when you look at when you look at the final agreement at least one that we've seen it doesn't seem like it, it was something that should have been delayed two weeks, right? Like it wasn't like it was something crazy where we're like, oh, that's what I they told were you. fighting for. I yeah, told yeah. You. I told you. And, it was and, pe- and, it was petty. It was petty. Hmm. All right, Nick, man, how, how about you? So you know, what, what was kind of something that that stood out to you about you know what what's come out so far? So once it actually got ratified and agreed upon, what really stood out to me is that all eight players from the executive reps. None of them agreed to this. It was 0 and 8. And that's interesting to me because this shows me that what the players conceded on was all for the lower end player with it being, you know, no more draft pick compensation for, you know, the for the offer, uh, the international draft instead of an international pool of money, um, draft pick compensations being dropped in other aspects. A lot of this seemed to be for the younger players, which is what they kept saying. But then when it came time to vote, the executive committee really showed their cards, in my opinion. And maybe the players, the players Association wasn't as tight as we thought they were. For them to go literally 0-8 on the vote for this thing, but for it to still pass, kind of it was, it was weird to me. But, I mean, the minimum salary for players goes up. They have, I believe they took away a year for arbitration, if I'm not mistaken, which is helpful. Now the players, instead of worrying about being super two and getting an extra year of, of eligibility versus being one taken away, they have a bonus pool so there's money for these top end players to make their first couple of years if they're really good without having to worry about you know service time manipulation so it seems like there's a lot of basic stuff it seems like this cba took away a lot of the stuff the owners can manipulate easily to hurt the players and that's a good first step i don't think it's where all the players want to be i don't think it's where all the players deserve to be but you know i if it if it lasts you know, for the four or five years and really starts where the players need to get. 
but there's some stuff like with the whole uh, the competitive tax threshold. Like if you don't want to spend it, owners just don't spend it. I don't know why you would vote against this. It seems like such an easy thing to give into. And maybe they're all just acting and playing that they were really upset about that threshold not going up. But if you're really worried about Steve Cohen that much, guess what? No matter what you set that limit to, it's not going to affect him. He's still going to spend the money. That's who he is. That's what he's going to do. So you're not, I mean, be fearful, but it's not doing you any good. I'm just surprised they were that hung up on it as the owners for the CBT. But overall, I think it's a good deal for the younger players, which is really where it should be. Um, the older players that have their money, it, it was just really surprising to see these guys like Lindor, Scherzer, Simeon, who've all got their bank. Like they have their money. This CBA is not affecting them whatsoever. For them to pull, for all of them to vote no to this really kind of threw me off. And it kind of, we'll see what happens the next time, but hopefully they do a little bit better negotiating beforehand. Hopefully Manfred's not in position anymore because I think him single-handedly delayed all of this. I know he works for the owners. I get that. But for him to have his law background and kind of, I mean, his background is around negotiations as far as I know. Like for this to go this long and be played this fucking badly from a guy who this is what he does, it's just sad, and I really hope he's out of office before the next time we have to deal with any of this. You know what's crazy? I was kind of doing some background on, on, on Rob Manfred, and the reason why the commissioner was because of his work in the 1992 uh, you know, lo- lockout, which if you remember, there was a lockout. We didn't play baseball that year with professional players. So to say that, like, I, I don't know, man. It, it, it's crazy to me that he has that position in baseball, but, but I digress. Um, you know, one of the things that you mentioned was the the votes of you know zero play zero of the of the uh, players committee voted right we had we had Garrett Cole Max Scherzer some of these guys to me one of the issues that wasn't really addressed was a salary floor right which we we've talked about it or I don't know if we've necessarily talked about it but it's been talked about about whether or not baseball should have a salary floor because we saw a team like the I forgot who it was, the Pirates put up a team where I think, what was it, Max Scherzer and Garrett Cole were getting paid more than, than that entire team you put them together? Yeah, so, the Pirates. <laughs> yeah, Nick. Great team there, bud. But, um, you know, the, the truth the truth is, you, you mentioned the, the competitive tax uh, threshold, right? The luxury tax, essentially. And I think the reason why owners didn't want to go, it, it to go up is because those small small market teams, they get to cry more. They get to say, "Oh no, like now we're really not spending anywhere anywhere close to this money. Now we look really bad, right?" It's like com- comparatively, if I'm at a three and the highest is a ten, it doesn't look that bad. But if I'm at a three and the highest is at a fifty, it's like, "Oh, we are far apart here. Where we're not even trying." So, I don't know, man. We'll see. The whole big market team we've seen in recent years, a team like the Rays, has been a constant you know, World Series contender. So, yeah, it's it, it. Look, you know, I think the thing about the negotiations too is, um, I, I not to be, I don't, I don't want to sound biased in terms of like my my sources or like you know the 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 sources that I listen to, but I've been listening to a lot of like the Michael K show, right? Like for example, like just because they. Like they they've been in on the on the negotiations. They've had uh, Jeff Passan on a lot to to yeah. discuss some of the deeper uh, stuff. And it's one of the better baseball shows. Let's be honest. Mike right. K is still one of the better like pure baseball. Yeah, shows. no, it, it's good. It's good baseball talk. And but you know, one of the things that they were talking about is 
the whole argument that you see with like uh and like and like what i've been telling people like a lot of this a lot of these cba negotiations it gets tossed into the public eye as owners versus players but we have to realize there were two wars taking place it's owners versus players it's also owners versus owners in terms of big market versus yeah. small market yeah. right yeah. a lot of the small market teams are that that feel like they can't compete i'm sorry it's bs it's Absolutely. BS because you can definitely look. I'm not going to sit here and say that, okay, there's not always going to be franchises that are going to outspend you. Absolutely. Guess what? Take the financial resources that you have and put them in other areas. Put them in your scouting department. Put them, you, you feel me? Like yeah, it might right. not necessarily have to be all in player salaries. Like, yes, eventually you're going to get to the point where like you're going to have to pay guys that develop into superstars, right? But guess what? We've seen Tampa Bay develop tampa bay is the perfect example mm -hmm. playoff team who has low salary continues to find gems in players and now is getting to the point where they're like look we're gonna lock up our guys right we just saw the wander the wander franco contract what was it 11 year or 12 year deal like they just paid out wander franco they locked up their guy right like they, they're probably they're probably gonna pay randy or rosarena like you know you're they're, they're guys that they're going to take care of because it's it's becoming their guys but it's it there's still, when you think about it, it, there's still guys that they're paying under their, their value, right? Like Wander Franco, Wander Franco is probably going to be a 300, 400 million dollar shortstop in the next like three years. Like if we're, if we're being honest and he got, he just signed for under 200 million, like it, it, that's just what it is. So that whole BS excuse of like small market teams not being able to compete, Tampa Bay is definitely showing against that. And then for an, another thing about that big market, small market like when remember when the vote came out too, and uh, I forget exactly. I think it was Yankees, Mets, Astros, and Cardinals. another team, Cardinals that that voted against it. Right? Mm -hmm. Again, it's not necessarily for the reasons that people might think. Right? Like, like let's be honest. The Steinbrenner family and Steve Cohen, they're going to they if they want to spend money, they are going to spend money. It does not matter what the what the taxes are or whatever. If they want to spend money, they're going to spend that money. Because that is the case, obviously Steve Cohen is going to vote no against this current version of the CBA because, because of the taxes that are up at the highest tier, right? Like he knows that he's in a position to receive the highest tax. Guess what? He's going to go and spend that money either way. Like, does it really matter? Like it, it doesn't really make it, it, any change to it, right? Like we, we, didn't see, we didn't see the CBA get passed and oh, all of a sudden Steve Cohen's not doing anything. He just traded right. for Chris Bassett yesterday. <laughs> like like he's and, and that and he's not done he's not done because the Mets aren't even aren't even a complete team yet like he's not done like he's probably gonna have another one or two moves in terms of the free agent market coming up so like there's there's a lot of things at play here I mean it, it's it's way it's I'll just leave it at this it's it's a much deeper conversation than than we hear in some baseball shows just talk about the real basics of the CBA and the owners not wanting to play and the players not wanting to play. There's a lot more that's going into play in these negotiations than people actually want to give credit to. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and what we've seen, I think what the players see as far as the small market teams, like, like the Rays, it's double-edged sword, right? It's great that the Rays are competing, but let's be honest, it hurts the players. It, it, it really does, right? Like I, I can't imagine me being a superstar looking at what the Rays do and think, Oh man, I'm gonna get undervalued if if you know you have Joey Wendell's again. Joey Wendell's a guy that we always mention. If you have your Joey Wendell's out here getting paid to play at at, at his you know, let's say right. he's a super platoon guy, right? So you know, 
it, it, it was nuts, man. It was nuts. But hey, real quick, I don't, I don't think it hurts yeah. the superstars as much because you've got the look. If everybody could do what the Rays does, what the Rays do, everybody be doing it, but they can't, not at that level. And so you're right in one aspect, it hurts the superstars because, like, okay, well, why are you going to pay me five hundred million right. if they can put together this? But at the same time, I'm sorry, the Mariners don't have that front office. Like they don't. No, no, you're right. You're right. So like you've got these teams that eventually are going to figure like, fuck, I can't, I can't do what the Rays do. I can't find that talent. I can't pick the Charlie Morton for the two years he's going to ball out. And that I think actually gets some of these players played more because some of these owners fall back on the how are the Rays doing this? Okay, well I have to go get this player. I have to go get Carlos Correa in order to compete with the Rays because I don't have that talent evaluation to find the Wander Franco. And the other thing that small market teams are so scared to do that the Rays actually quietly have done a good job of is locking up their players early through the Arb years for cheaper. There's so many teams that are afraid to do that. And the Rays, Longoria, Kiermaier, now Franco, like the guys that they think are legit for a while, they're locking them up early. They're getting that that big contract, quote unquote, and they're getting the 50% discount because of what they're doing and when they're doing it. They're pulling the trigger. The Rays are easily the best front office in baseball. And it has been that way for a while. They're just now finally getting the credit for it when it comes to putting the winning product on the field all the way through the system. I'm, I'm glad you, I, I'm glad you mentioned the contract, though, because I think the one the one thing that definitely came away from this, in my opinion, is anyone who was signed before this new CBA came out, you got them at a bargain. You got them at a bargain. It's just it's just what it is. Right, like Garrett Cole, as as much money as he'll be being, he'll be getting paid, that is a bargain compared to what future guys are gonna get. We saw Kikuchi get thirty six million. That scrub got thirty six million for three years. Yo, I'm a hater. I don't care, Rob. I, no, I, no, I, no, 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 no. I'm not. No, I get it. I get it. But like, like that's what that's. But that goes to my point. Like mm-hmm. it's it's exactly what it's exactly what I mean with the Robbie Ray point, right? Like yeah. we sit here and we say and we don't think highly of Kikuchi as a pitcher, yeah. right? Well, but yeah, the point doesn't change that the that the type of pitcher that he is and the guys that you would group with him, mm-hmm. that is what their value is today, money wise, sure. dollar sure. amount wise, and that and and that's what I'm saying. Like remember when Cole signed, well, everybody was like, oh man, the Yankees gave Garrett Cole thirty six million dollars a year. Yo, $36 million to, right now. for $40 million a right season is yeah. what you are going to have to pay guys who you consider top 10 pitchers. Yep. Like, that's what it's going yep. to be. Like, because think about it. Robbie Ray is coming off of Cy Young. And, like, I get it. Like, I, I'm not a big fan of Robbie Ray. But he's just coming off of Cy Young, and he and he got that bump up to 23. Yeah. So now guys that you are, quote, unquote, you know, potential Cy Young guys where they might have this, mm-hmm. you know, blowout standout Cy Young season that's gonna cost you 23 24 25 million a year to like yeah. potentially get that guy to, to be a Cy Young caliber pitcher like the prices of the price of pitching is going up for exactly what I'm saying if 12 million dollars is what it costs to get Kikuchi like <laughs> like the price of pitching is going up it, it's it's great and it's not just the pitchers right like I and I don't know how true this is right it was there's no source so it was just somebody mentioning it on, on SAW where like the Freeman contracts looking for three at one thirty. That's insane, guys. That's more than forty million dollars a year. Yeah. Right? I, that that's crazy. For 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 first baseman. Granted, Freddie Freeman MVP first baseman World Series champion. Like I'm not saying he's not worth it. But that's where we're headed with these numbers. So I know like, my favorite thing is everyone saying baseball's a dying sport. Bro, they will outspend you in any way like as long as baseball stadiums keep opening, they will be profitable. 
right? That that's just the way it works, right? Like you just like right. I'm telling you, it's impossible not to be profitable as a sports franchise unless like you're you're really bad. I mean, even like the MLS now, they're raking in money. If you if you went in on the MLS like like 15 years ago, you're raking in cash right now. So you know, baseball's that same way. Where it do, does it have its problems? Absolutely. Does it have you know an issue with getting the younger demographics? Absolutely. Yeah. No. But, but it's profitable. Though? But it's profitable. No. That's that's yeah. that's the fact too. It's profitable. Every every franchise in baseball is worth. If you sell it today, it's worth more than a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. Every single one and every single person that sells that franchise is going to be making profit on that sale because because there are franchises that were not even close to that evaluation when they were first oh, purchased. So, yeah, no, like, I, every I, single team. Absolutely. And, and look, every, every, I think every sport, if depending on who you talk to, every sport is dying in its own way, right? Like, a couple of years ago, oh, football can't stand with all these concussions and all this, like, you know, social justice issues and stuff like that. That's been said. There's been times where people talk about basketball not necessarily making it. Granted, not in the last, not, not recently, but, you know, We've had those moments, right? Like, we just had probably the world's worst dunk contest ever. Um, no, no offense to, to Obi, but um, hey, look, let's let, let's get let's get to our outfield episode. We were thinking about splitting this into two, we were thinking about doing a 20 to 11 episode and then a 10 to 1 episode. Yeah, now nah, look, I'll be honest with you, outfielders are kind of sketch out here where this was one of those lists where. Surprisingly, I would say we we agreed on pr- pretty well. I, I don't think any of us had anything that was so far out of left field that we we're like, oh, that's a weird for you having there. Um, so just talk about it real quick, right? Outfield. It depends kind of what you're looking for. There's some guys that have a lot of power but shouldn't be out there. They're probably gonna benefit from the DH. There's some guys who have great gloves but probably aren't great hitters. Then you have guys who are a mix of the two, guys who make great contact but aren't necessarily power guys. You have a little bit of everything in the outfield. We were able to narrow it down to a small portion, and no, honestly, I think I think this list came out pretty good, to be honest with you. So l- let's get started. From twenty to eleven, at number twenty, Joey Gallo, number nineteen, Ramon Lariano, which. Kind of surprising. He was an MVP dark horse for us a couple of years ago. Number 18, Eloy Jimenez. 17, Tyler O'Neill. 16, Cedric Mullins. I don't think anyone would have put money on Cedric Mullins to be on any of these lists a year ago. Uh, number 15, Michael Brantley. 14, Nick Castellanos. 13, Randy Rosarena. 12, Brian Reynolds. 11, Starling Marte, the New York Mets. So, you know, we'll go through this real quick, right? Because we should, t- we, we, these guys deserve us to talk about them a little bit. Nick, I'll start with you. What is your thought on 2311? This is a good list. I mean, <clears throat> like you said, our lists were pretty close, even to the point where we all had Brian Reynolds at number 12. Like, that's, that's how close these things were. And these were all groups. Um, <clears throat> we all have the same number one. So when we get there, that'll be obvious. <clears throat> and then after that, you have a group of like five or six guys, then you have another group of five or six guys, you have another group of five or six guys, and it's all really how it just played out. Um, I'm not upset with anything on this list. The only two, the only one that I really kind of want to talk about is starting Marte at 11. I had him at six, or sorry, I had him at seven. And the reason being is my top six were pretty set. Like those are the studs. Those are the guys that you think about. Those are just the guys that are there. And even with injury risks, they're still the guys. Like 
there's nothing taking them out of the arguably best player in MLB. Like you, could, our top five guys, you could literally argue any of them are the best player in Major League Baseball. You could. Um, after that, I went with Starling Marte at six over a bunch of other guys just because everybody has their question marks. Either they're young and we haven't seen it a lot, injury prone, uh, whatever it may be. Starling Marte, his what if is his age. And I'm sorry, but if you just came off a 47 steal season, I don't give a fuck what your age is. <laughs> like you're not old anymore. Like unless you just fall off a cliff and the way this guy has played his entire career, there's no cliff for him to fall off of. He's going to come down. He's got all the skills to maintain a really good career for a few more years. And he's going to what should be a better offense than he's played with the last couple of years by a long shot. And I have a feeling he's going to get to do his game. I don't think anybody's going to get in his way of doing whatever's going to help the team win. And for him, it's running. And if you're not going to slow him down, then he's just going to give you all of that value again. And I think he's the most reliable from a, from a game in game out standpoint. Yo, but, Rick, I got, I got, I got one word for you for, for Stoli Marte. Met tax. <laughs> yes, I know. And I, I kind of figured that with you for sure. And I, I believe in that as well. I believe there is a Met tax. Everybody just goes down, you know, six or seven spots, but going into the season, even with that being said, I still have them up there. Aside from that, um, the bottom five, the, the fifth, the 16 through 20, I think is perfect because no, like you, I like everybody there a lot to see any of these guys potentially in the top 10 next year. Wouldn't surprise me, but no, they're right where they should be. Cedric Mullins prove it, man. Like that was an incredible season, but it's just because you stopped hitting right-handed and let's see what happens when people actually try to like start pitching to you, you know, and trying to get you out because you are the guy on that, in that lineup. Let's see what happens when you are the focus to being getting out. Tyler O'Neill is there's still that can he do this again type deal with Mullins. Loriano, like you said, he was like in our Dark Horse MVP candidate a couple years ago. And now, like, what's he doing? Eloy, again, he's got all that hype. And then as long as he comes back from injury and even Gallo, like he could have a bonkers year, especially not this year. But in 2023, when the shift goes away, like this guy might hit, you know, I'm not going to say he's hit 300. But if he might get his average up to like 265, 270 and with like that shift, average up to 200. Fine, but like right, sorry, he, he could. I'm a hater. I'm a hater. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. But I mean, the bottom five are really good. And the next five with Marte, Reynolds, Rosarena, Castellanos, and Brantley, like that's a solid outfield right there. If those are your five outfielders, that you're happy with that. So I, I like the way the list played out. I think everything's everybody's right where they should be. There's there's things that we should mention about them too because look, Joey Gallo, as much shit as we're giving him, he's a great defensive outfielder. Right by, by every metric you have, the dude has range. The dude has a cannon. Uh, he's been, and it's something you don't really think about with Joy Gallo. Usually, you have to go back and be like, oh yeah, this guy is pretty good out there. Um, Eloy, Eloy's been injured. It, Eloy's been hurt. Like last year was rough for him when he came back from injury as well. I think that's what hurts him the most is that when he's been healthy, he hasn't really done anything crazy. Right, like twenty twenty was a rough year. Um, the first year was was was, was better. Like I said, he's been hurt, but we all seen the potential. We we've all seen seen the, the like the rockets this guy hits. Brantley's getting a little bit older, which I think hurt him in this list. Castellanos can't field. He's gonna be a DH somewhere. You know, we call him JD Light. He's gonna have that same career path, man. Um, and and then yeah, you know, I, I joke with the Starly Marte Met tax thing, but he he had a couple a couple of years ago with the Pirates. He kind of took a step back, and everyone has a bad year. So it was probably just a bad year. But, you know, it can always happen, right? It can be more than that. Rob, I will kick it to you. What were your thoughts on 23-11? I, I thought we had a, a good mix of players. 
Um, I'm going to focus first on on the last three on, on our list simply because they didn't make the cut on my list. So uh, I think those were Joey Gallo, Loriano, and Eloy Jimenez. Um, look, for Gallo, Gallo has great defense. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to say that, that he doesn't. But at the same time, I think that his hitting usually gets uh, overhyped more than than what he can actually give you and i don't think that when you're ranking outfielders you can have as much leeway for a great defender in the same way that you can for like a third base ranking right like so i put matt chapman when we were doing third base rankings at number 10 because i'm like look he's still one of the best defenders at the position even though he has atrocious hitting look if we're if we're looking again like i've done for for all these rankings if we're looking at the last two seasons joey gallo is hitting 194 in the last two seasons he he has positives that he's going to give you. He can any year he can lead the league in walks, but he can also lead the league in strikeouts the same way that he just did this last season, which he led in both. He can give you 40 home runs, but he's also going to give you under a 200 uh, under a 200 batting average. Unfortunately, the thing that you want with with Joey Gallo too, which he kind of has lost on, is is the slugging numbers. You want the slugging numbers to kind of be there. They haven't been. He has a 773 OPS in the last two seasons, like. I need to see more from him if, if I'm going to consider him a, a top 20 player. And, and it's funny because like when you look at some of these players, like the, the same way that we're looking at this 20 to 11, it really goes to show you like the separation when you're talking about like the elite outfielders, right? And then just the guys that you consider good. It really goes to show you the, se- the separation once you start to rank them all as a complete outfield and not just as their position. Because Joey Gallo's probably getting put in at left field or, or something like that for this upcoming year. And if you were talking to people and asking them to rank, like, who are the top left fielders, Joey Gallo would probably be top five. Like, if you were talking about, like, just the position. Yeah, but weak, once weak you expand, position, I'd say, yeah, weak, weak position. <clears throat> yeah, right. Like, left field is definitely the weakest position out, out, of, out of the outfielders. Um, because a lot of the guys, again, like, like for example, like a Tyler O'Neill. I had Tyler O'Neill 11 on my personal list. Um, Tyler O'Neill is a guy that a lot of people would say is the number one left fielder in baseball going into this season. Like, a lot of people would take Tyler O'Neill number one. Um, uh, but yeah, so Joey Gallo didn't, didn't make my list on that. And Eloy and Loriano, look, Eloy just also has to show me more, uh, Loriano. I, I think Loriano would have a good case for, for the list. He's just also coming off a of PED suspension. So for, for that, I have to take points off. Like I have to see how you come back from a PED suspension. So that's why I didn't put him on my list. Um, and then if we're going to, if we're going to keep going down, just look, Tyler O'Neill was there at 17 for us. I had him a little higher in terms of the other guys. Yeah. I agree with the arguments that you guys gave. Cedric Mullins is 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 definitely a case of of one year sh- show me more like but but he's definitely earned the 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 right to be in the top 20 um because for the year that he had like throughout the season he was pretty much one of the top hitters in the American League for for the entire year. So he definitely deserves to be there as well. Look, Michael Brantley, vet. That's all I'm gonna say, vet. Like he Michael Brantley average-wise of 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 all the outfielders that we looked that we looked at average-wise I think Michael Brantley is has the the best batting average only behind uh, Juan Soto, which we'll definitely talk about later on. Um, so yeah, just because of that, Brantley's been a consistent hitter. Um, and and yeah, I think I think some of the other guys look. I I knocked Marte down a little bit simply because he he's met, passed he's met the like he's met. No no no, no like I mean that, no that that's your reason. I, I I don't know because then I would have to knock Jacob the Grom down. So I can't say it's it's because he's a met, but. I'm just saying, like I not, I not, I put, I put him 15, right? Like, and and it's my thing where it's just like, say, saying that you're the the 
a top 15 outfielder in baseball shouldn't be an insult, right? Like it's, you're the top 15 guy out of like a position that has over a hundred guys playing it. Right. So I, th- I think, look, Starling Marte had a phenomenal year. Um, I think that there, it just really came down to preference and some guys that I would take over him a little bit, right? Like, I don't know. I look for any, for, for, for the cockiness and stuff like that. I like Randy Rosarena's game. Like, like hit, like the way that he plays the game though, the way that he plays the game, like you got to admit, he plays the game with better energy than a lot of other players. If you talk about tradi- how you traditionally you enjoy the game of baseball, actually enjoying the game and having fun while you're playing it, Randy Rosarena does that. Like he might he look looks like he's trying to get to each base one by one too. Yeah, which is no, awesome. like he look he, he looks he's like, like he's getting each base. Right, like 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 look, we know watching the sport, right? We watch a lot of games. You know that there are guys where it's like, look, you might get a walk. You might get a base hit, right? And you're at first base and you're over there and you're chilling. You're chilling. You're talking with the first baseman. How's the wife? How's the kids? Yo, Randy Rosarena is laser focused on what is happening in the game inning one through nine. Like he, like he is literally, how many times have we seen Randy Rosarena like try to make, whether it's scoring the last run, whether it's making a diving catch, like trying to make the standout play for the Rays. And this is for a guy who, you know, is like we talked about before, he's not necessarily positioned to be the Rays' best hitter or franchise player or anything like that, because we know that's Wander Franco. But, you know, he's definitely a guy who who, who belongs in this conversation. And for, for the last guy that I'm going to focus on, Brian Reynolds, uh, we talked about it a little bit beforehand. I think Brian Reynolds is just the perfect representation of what a good outfielder is. That's why he's there at 12. And, and, I, and honestly, that's why on my, on my personal list, I had Tyler O'Neill at 11. I think you could definitely flip-flop Tyler O'Neill and Brian Reynolds, but I think um, I hate to say it, but if if you were if you were to compare 2022 Rob to 2018 Rob or 2019 Rob when we started like recording these episodes, I think in 2022 I've, I've definitely become a lot more analytical than I was when we first started like recording. Because I, like my whole thing has always been, you need both, right? Like, like I don't, I, I don't like people that only rely on analytics to make their baseball points. I also don't like people that just, hey, I went to the game and I, and I saw this guy and he's really good. I'm like, that's great, but he's hitting 160. Like you feel like you know, like the, the, your eyes lie to you sometimes. Like that's that's just what it is. So I like to use a mixture of both. Um, so I've I've just started to include analytics more in, into my rankings too, and I, I think analytically in the last two years. When you break down the stats, Tyler O'Neill and Brian Reynolds have been pretty similar players um, in terms of, of the value that they've given their team. Um, so that's why I had them right there at like 11 and 12 matching ranks. But yeah, it, it's it's at the end of the day, look, 11 to 20 is just a solid group of outfielders. Like that's what it is. Um, I'll get into a, a deeper analysis when we get into our top 10, but I'll get into why I think the top 10 really separates itself. When you actually dive into the numbers, there's, there's an actual like, disgusting separation with the numbers yeah, it's, in it's the time between gap. the top 10. Yeah, yeah. Super, super wide gap. Before we yeah. move on to, to the top 10, we, we can't go forward without mentioning some obvious omissions, right? And we're talking about MVP omissions, right? So, you know, spoiler alert, you're not going to hear Cody Bellinger. <laughs> spoiler alert, you're not going to hear Christian Yellick. And it, I don't know about for you guys, all, all you guys talk about it, but for me, it was one of those things where they fell off the earth. Like, if you're a flat earth theorist, they're your best. They're, they're like your best example. Because these dudes either got taken over by aliens or maybe they were monsters to begin with. I don't know. But the truth of the matter is 
going into these lists, I was there's no way I can't put a guy like Cody Bellinger in these, right? We've seen him do it, the talent's there. Then you look at the numbers, and oh my god, it is it is tragic. It is it is the it is like watching a car accident. Like, worse than Joey happened. Gallo. Wor- yeah, oh yeah, worse than Joey Gallo, which is hard to do. Bro, right? look, can, can, I, can I tell you something real quick? Look, you say it's a spoiler. It's really not, at least for me. At least for me. Bro, like, like, like let's be honest. For ever since ever since Yellick's MVP year, I told people, I'm like, we've we've had these arguments before of like, oh, Cody Bellinger, Christian Yellick, Aaron Judge. Yo, how many people kept saying, yo, Bellinger and Yellick over Judge and stuff? This is a real spoiler. Aaron Judge is in the top 10. Cody Bellinger and Christian Yellick are not on these lists. And 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 numbers wise, it look, look, bro. I, I just finished talking about numbers. I have all the numbers right here in front of me. You know, I took my two-year sample. Just to give people some context, because I don't want anyone, I get that he's a former MVP. I get if you want to bet on potential in a bounce back season. I completely get that. Right? I am talking about ranking outfielders going into 2022. Okay. In the last two seasons, Cody Bellinger has an OPS of 642. No other outfielder in the pool has a sub-700 OPS, okay? They, they would have belonged in the pool, yeah. Bro, Cody Bellinger has an OPS plus, which is a key, which is a, 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 a key stat that, that I'm, I'll definitely bring up when we talk more about the top 10. But Cody Bellinger has an OPS plus of 72. 72. Below league average. No other player in the pool has an OPS plus under 100. And if we're talking about Christian Yellick, his OPS plus is the third worst at 103. 103. Like, again, if I'm going to be honest with y'all, the reason that I sent them to y'all as names in the pool is because they are former MVPs. You feel me? I try to give them that much respect. But they don't deserve it. Like, they really do not deserve it. Like, if you're, if you're talking to me from a statistical standpoint, in the last two seasons, Christian Yellick and Cody Bellinger do not deserve to sniff a top 20 outfielder list. They just don't. If you want to talk to me about potential and, oh, you want to bet on their bounce back, that's fine. If you're talking to me about overall talent, I get it. That's fine. Yes, I'm taking Christian Yellick and Cody Bellinger over a lot of names on this list. If you're if the conversation is just talent. But statistically, like I'm, I'm telling you right now, man, anyone, anyone that tried to tell me that Cody Bellinger is a top 20 outfielder, like, it's just like, yo, like the num- the numbers are just, the numbers are the numbers. Like, and, and, and again, there is a massive separation. Like, you're t- like, again, you're talking about guys that shouldn't even be in Cody Bellinger's league who are lapping him, who are lapping him. Like, I could, bro, I could throw guys that didn't even make our list, right? Like, you could, if you look at a guy like Brandon Nimmo, if you look at a guy like Harrison Bader, lapping, they are lapping Cody Bellinger. Like, what, like, what do you want? Like, it, like, that's just the, that's just the reality. Like, I've been trying to tell people this. Like, I'm not trying to say he's a bad player or anything like that. But again, it's like when he goes through his struggles, I just sit here and I'm like, I'm not surprised. But like, what what is there to be surprised about? We've seen how good Cody Bellinger can be. But I've also said he he has to be. I don't I don't know. Look, I I can't say he's the one because I don't I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I've watched every team, every team's every single game. But I would bet that he's top five top three most inconsistent players in baseball. Like, that's he's, just he's, the reality. He's, he's pretty consistently bad lately. Um, I mean, I mean, but, yeah. But that's nah, look, look, so I'll be honest with you. When, when I see when I see a guy like Cody Bellinger, he reminds me a lot of the situation with Gary Sanchez, where he's super talented, super talented. But 
Dodgers fucked him up. Just like just like I believe the Yankees fucked Gary Sanchez up, I think that the approach that they want Cody Bellinger to have, which right, analytic based, right? That's really killing someone that we we could see some really special things from. Same thing with Gary, right? Like I think that the analytical approach of, hey, Gary, I'd rather you just, you know, try to hit this over the fence, right? Like that that probably means more to us. Like that approach has killed a really the potential of a really productive baseball player. And it, it, it's sad to see, man. And with, with, with Yelich, Yelich, Yelich kind of fell into that thing where he put up MVP numbers and he thought he was that guy. And he just wasn't, right? He went from, from Miami where he had pretty decent numbers. And then, you know, you put up you put up the, the, the crazy numbers he did. And I think you kind of expect that to be the norm. So you overcompensate. Swing. Plus, it's not for you. He came back from a pretty horrific injury. And he just he just hasn't been fully back. And maybe it's a comfort thing. I, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, we just have to mention that that those two former MVPs were, were not on the list. All right, man, let's, let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to the good stuff. 10 through – I'm going to do it this way, actually. Usually we do 10 through 5. I'm going to do 10 through 7. Just because there's a big difference between 7 and then the rest of the guys. Where – you know, it'll be obvious. There's an obvious tier tier separation there. So number ten, which I'm interested to see what what Nick has to say about this one. Number ten is Byron Buxton. Nine, we have George Springer. Eight, Kyle Tucker. And number seven, which by the way, when we started these damn list, all I heard from Rob was, "Oh, wish Robert's not gonna be on this motherfucker." All I heard from Nick is, "Oh." Danny's going to do some crazy shit with Louis Robert. Well, guess what? I don't even think I had him ranked the highest. So you know what? I'm tired I'm tired of the, the, the dirty looks, Rob, right? I'm tired of of um, Nick just out here calling me out in the middle of the night. You know what I mean? Like, it's I'm tired of it, guys. You got to sit down and have a conversation about this. Don't worry. We're moving on to your pitcher rankings to bust your balls about <laughs> next year. Yeah, yeah. Look, when, when, when DeGrom throws four games next year, and we're sitting here like, oh, you know what? We're ranking him number ten now, bro. If he we'll throws, if he if he pitches four games with a point two ERA, that's still elite. I'll still rank. He's him gonna have three one. no hitters. I'll still rank <laughs> him number one. Yo, four perfect games. Four perfect games. <laughs> he yo, he throws four perfect games. He is number one. I don't care what anyone else does. All the guys have to do is just wait till the postseason to do that shit. Like, stop yeah. playing in fucking I don't April. Care. I don't care, bro. Yo, Nick, I'll start with you, man. All right, so so ten through seven. What are your thoughts, bro? Ten through seven is perfect. And like you said, there is there's just that other tier of the top six that you just can't put any of these guys in. And to be honest, I don't know if any of these guys are gonna break into that top six. Like that top six is set. But um yeah, Lewis Robert at I had him at seven, or sorry, at eight, and I think I had him the highest. So no, I did not have him the highest, but I had him at eight. So I agree with him at seven. I can see that. Um he's probably He's probably the next guy to get in that top six between himself, Tucker, Springer, and Buxton. Um, I had Buxton at 10 because when I thought about this list, kind of similar to starting pitchers, I just had guys in a spot, and Buxton was a top 10 guy. It wasn't necessarily 10, but I ended up having him at 10 because it, just that injury history, Like I think this year is going to be awesome with the new contract that he has because he's not playing for his money anymore in a sense of, he doesn't know what his future is over the next couple of years. He's set. I believe it's a three or four year deal. So he's got money in the bank coming to him. He doesn't have to worry about that. It is his 
high end money is getting MVP votes. Like he's got some ridiculous $10 million bonus if he gets an MVP or something crazy like that, I think. But I think he's right there at 10. If I could trust him to be on the field a lot more, he would be up there above the starting Lee Marte for me, above the Luis Robert and the, and the Tucker. And I put Springer just below Buxton. So to have him at nine, I can see that he's a consistent guy. My fear with Springer is kind of the same as injury. Like he's not, he doesn't have an injury history per se, but he's had a couple big ones recently and he's getting older. And the Blue Jays have a lot of room to protect him, in, meaning they can give him a lot of days off with the talent they have around him. If you lose Springer's bat in that lineup, that's not as bad as that bat in other lineups. Like they can be okay with that and really save him for the postseason, which to me brings him down 20 games a year just to protect him, which brings down his production. If you gave him the same number of games as everybody else on here, yeah, he might be a lot higher for me, but I think he's going to be protected and not play as much. Um, Tucker, I'm really interested to see because as high of a prospect as he was coming up through the Astros system, I still think he's been pretty quiet over there. And his ceiling is a lot higher than I realized. Like he can have a 300 batting average, 30 bombs, 20 steals, 100 runs, 100 RBIs. That's an that's an MVP season, and I never really saw that out of him, but that's completely in his wheelhouse. So the the 7 through 10 is perfect. I had a couple of these guys ranked right where we have them as a group, so I, I'm happy with it. I think it's the right top 7 through 10. Kyle Tucker, you mentioned Kyle Tucker, and Rob mentioned this the other, t- the other day too, is he's kind of hidden behind all the other big names. Where you think Astros, I think first person goes to mind is probably Altuve, followed by Bregman. Followed by, it used to be Correa, right? Or Correa might have been in, in front of Brian. Who knows? Whatever. But even before you get to, to, to Springer, I mean, before you even get to, to Tucker, you also have, um, what's it called? I, I'm, I'm, oh, Al- Guriel, Brantley. Brantley, Alvarez, right? Like, you have a whole bunch of names that you probably think of. You even before. think pitchers before him. You're even thinking Verlander. Verlander. Yeah. You're yeah. even thinking Granky. You're thinking, like, you're thinking pitchers before you're thinking of him, too. Yeah. He's so he's so quiet, so it's, it's, it's easy for him to go under the radar on that team. Byron Buxton, to me, is a surprising one. I'm not surprised because I don't think that, that he's, like, that talented. I think he's, he's a super talent. I think when he's on the field, he's a top 10 player. Right, like, and he has the numbers to back that up. I think he's, I think he's played over a hundred games one time in his career, like one time. So I, I, I probably had Buxton the lowest, but Rob, I'll, I'll kick it over to you, man. Thoughts on on, on ten through seven? Yeah, ten to seven was good, man. I think the only difference, the top ten is exactly the ten players that I had in my top ten. Um, and I'll be honest with you guys, look, it, it. It wasn't that hard. I had a tougher time ranking 11 to 20 compared to 1 to 10. Um, simply because, like we discussed, I, I similar to third base where I had my top four, I knew who the top six in the outfield were before I even had to look. I, I could just look at a list of names and pick out who the top six are without having to look at the stats. And then, and then like you said, the stats the stats back it up as well. Um, I, I think that's, that's what it comes down to. Like it, after, after the top six, right, when I had the 7 to 10 slots open, the first question that popped into my head is, I consider the top six players in this outfield to be superstars in the game of baseball, right? Like, I consider them to be the elite of the elite, the guys who every single year are in top 10 overall player conversations. So my kind of one analytic or question that I ask myself in my head is, what guys on this list? stand out to you as potential superstars 
in the league that also have the numbers that kind of back up that status. And the only four names that stood out were the guys that made our seven of 10. Because I think, look, Springer, George Springer and Byron Buxton, I, I had them at nine and 10. They fit perfectly in that. Why? Byron Buxton is has all around superstar potential. He does a lot of things. When you talk about when you talk about having all the tools, right? He does a lot of things at an elite level when he is on the field. Does everything at elite level? I would yeah, say. he's everything. he's only played he's only played a hundred games in the last two years, right? Like, and and, and I know the game conversation, the amount of games played conversation is definitely something that could come up when we talk about our top six as well. But he's only played a hundred games, right? So when it came to ten and nine, my thing was I'm giving the nine spot to a guy who's done it more consistently. George Springer, even with the injury history, um, because again, he's coming off an injury. Byron, Byron Buxton also, have, also has that injury history, right? I think Byron Buxton, if I'm going on the potential side of things, I'd place him over Springer. If I'm going overall, overall superstar potential. But coming back from injury, George Springer did not show me that he's missing a step. He came back last 58 games of last year. He had a 965 OPS. Like he's he he's the same player that that he's basically the same player that Toronto bet on to to that when they signed him over from Houston. It's just that he missed games off of injury. Now we're pro, we're potentially going to see a full year of George Springer, not for nothing, in a similar role to, to Houston because he might be the guy who they put at the top of that lineup or something like that. But he's still being overshadowed by Bo Bichette. He's being overshadowed by Vladimir Guerrero. He could, he could very easily be overshadowed by Teoscar Hernandez. He could very easily be overshadowed by Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Like, they have a lot of talent on that team. Biggio, who's coming off an of injury, too. Like, they have a lot of talent on that team, right? And and so, so he, but I gave him the ninth spot because he's been a consistent player. That nine and 10 was kind of like its own separate tier for me because it was so many similarities. Like, similar players who, are, who have, like, injury history. So I'll put them there. That seven and eight slot, Look, I had personally I had Tucker at seven. I had Robert at eight. Whoever wants to tell me that it's the other way around, fine. It honestly, when you're talking about when you're talking about the the, the outfielders who are closest, again, I agree with you. I don't know how long it's gonna take for someone to actually crack that top six and 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 just make a clear argument to push one of those six out. But if you have to ask me two players who I think are the closest to getting that done and can do that in the next three seasons. It definitely has to be Kyle Tucker and Luis Robert. It has to be those two outfielders. Like Kyle Tucker, like we said, overshadowed in Houston, right? That doesn't mean that the statistics don't say that he might be the most important player on that team, yeah. right? Like, like in the last two seasons, Kyle Tucker, 893 OPS. He has a 140 OPS plus, which, which, is, which is the second closest behind Buxton. It's just that Buxton's sample size is smaller, right? Buxton's at a 155 OPS plus. Tucker's at a 140. Those are the two guys who have an OPS plus close to the to the standard OPS plus of our top six, right? Like, so it, it, the stats are all pointing to these are guys that are that are going towards superstardom. So it wasn't that difficult of a choice. Like, I got the names. It's kind of like who who do you prefer? Luis Robert is in the same boat. Luis Robert is he, he had we we will say it's similar. It is similar because he he does have similar protection in Chicago. Like when you look at Moncada and Jose Abreu, I mean, Luis Robert is part of the team, but you, you know, if Eloy is on, Yasmani Grandal, like they have their, their pieces in the lineup as well. Um, he's in a similar situation. The only difference is I don't know if Kyle Tucker is necessarily going to be put in the position to be the face of the Houston Astros, 
although his stats might point to that, right? Where I think Luis Robert's stats will point to that and he will be put in the position to be the face of the franchise. Um, so I have him slightly lower than Tucker at the moment. But again, if you like, like in our overall list, Luis Robert number seven, I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's good. It's good to be able to make the call now, Daniel. Okay, now now you can make the Luis Robert call. Now you can take credit for nah, Luis nah, Robert. Nah, 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 nah. Now when you put Luis Robert as the as the second best center fielder when the man didn't even but, play a major league, but look, league. But, but look, but look at our list. He comes out as our second best center fielder. If we're looking at it, I get that. I get that. Saying, you just you just called year, it. You just called it like two years ahead of schedule I, when I, before I, the guy even played. Yo, look, I told you I predict the future on these things. And I get that was it. my position. Like, like, even then, I couldn't realistically tell you I, I would take other people in front of Luis Robert. And, and by the way, another thing, I'm not like, I don't want to take like a victory lap about it because it's been like a year, but Kyle Lewis is nowhere near the talent that Luis Robert is. So I, I know, not, like, bro, people, look, 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 that's a whole different conversation <laughs> because, again, it, I, and we told, and we told this to people. Yeah. Yeah. Arguing for someone to win a rookie of the year prize is not arguing for that person being a better player overall. Yep. Like there are just some things that you do in a given season that 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 grant you the award. Like that's just what it is. But I, I know it, you ain't catch me out here saying Cal Lewis <laughs> no. is better than, than, than Luis Robert. Yeah, like yeah. Don't, don't be putting that on me because no, I, no, no, no. I didn't say that. Like, no, and, and you know this is actually just because we are kind of on, on young outfielders, right? There's a couple of names that are coming up next season. Some that had some playing time last season. And these guys are – I'm going to talk about two specific Mariners right now just real quick. You know, when we talk about Jared Kalanick, I've never been a big fan of Jared Kalanick. He came to MLB, kind of shit the bed. I don't think he's going to be a bad player. I think he's going to be an okay player. But, like, when we talk about on, like, like these lists, right, I think he's a guy who's going to be out of the top ten. I, I don't think he'll ever be in that top ten. I think we'll be more in that position where we're talking about does he get in the top 20. I think we'll talk about him a lot like we talk about Tyler O'Neill right now. Right, I think that's his best potential comp. Yeah, right? like different players, right? Not not the same, not the same. Stuff and again, and again, that's not people who listen to this. That's not saying that. That's actually saying that Jared Kelenic is going to be a very good player because if yeah, he turned yeah. into Tyler O'Neill, he's a top twenty outfielder. Right, like, right, you're right. Really like, but but like I think like right now, Mariners fans are on the potential of. You got the next great guys coming, bro. We all know, we all know who the standout for the Mariners is in the prospect department. So, so yeah, and, and I want to get to, to J Rod too, right? Because I'm super excited about J Rod, bro. I like, I remember the, like when he was 16, like I, I posted that stupid ass. Oh no, yeah, no, that 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 is, look, <laughs> that is one that is one that I'll give you before I before I even did deep dives. It started doing deep dives into prospects and that stuff. Like the first ever post that I saw of someone mentioning Julio Rodriguez before Julio Rodriguez was even a top prospect. <laughs> Was Daniel, so I will I will give him props on that. Thank you, thank you. But but and he, and here's my take on J Rod though. He's another guy where I don't expect them to be. He can be a top ten player some years, but when I think about the guys we've seen, right? Um, one of his I think one of the better comps to to what he potentially be is something like Ronald Cunha Jr. He is two tiers down from Ronald Cunha Jr. Where where I think Ronald Cunha Jr. is a no doubt Hall of Fame player. I think we're going to see Julio Rodriguez as a consistent, like, all-star player, right? I, I don't see him as that MVP candidate type guy where, where I don't think he has that kind of ceiling. Like, maybe maybe he'll get close, but I, I don't have yeah, him. I think, I think it, comes down, it comes down to consistency. I like, like, yeah. I like, we put it like this. 
I think you do view uh, J-Rod as a as a potential MVP. You just don't see him being in the MVP conversation every year like you yeah, would yeah. an Acuna Jr. or a Tatis yeah. Jr. or like that. Like you could right, see absolutely. the year where he stands out and takes the yeah. MVP because his, his, he has a 40 and 120 RBI season, you know? Like, his, his talent isn't, isn't, I'm going to say, isn't as good as a guy like Ronald Cooney Jr., right? His talent level isn't as high. Hitting-wise, right? And we know hitting is a whole different monster, right? Because there's so much that goes into it. Hitting-wise, you could definitely step into that conversation. But right. overall, like, you know, the athleticism, right? The, just the physical talents aren't, aren't there with some of these guys we're about to mention. I, I wouldn't say they're even there with like a, a Luis Robert, but I think he's gonna be a better hitter than Luis Robert. Um, all right, let's get let's let's get to the fun stuff, right? Let's get let's get six through one, um, which I'm gonna go out on the limb and and if we do a a top ten overall players, I think all these guys are are on that list, which which, which would be interesting. But at number six, we got Aaron Judge, right? Should also be playing power forward for the Knicks right now. Five, uh, we got Mookie Betts. Four. Bryce Harper, three, Ronald Cunha Jr. coming off of injury. It, it was surprising. He actually played a lot more games than I thought he did last year. He, he actually played half the season. Um, at two, this is going to be, I don't know if this is going to be surprising, but he came at two for us, Mike Trout. And number one, Juan Soto. You, you know everybody here loves Juan Soto. So, yo, Nick, I, I'll kick it off of you, man. I'll kick it off of you. What, what are your thoughts on these top six? I mean, this is <clears throat> exactly how I had it. Like, this is literally my one through six, Soto, Trout, Acuna, Harper, Betts, Judge. And for me, it was pretty easy as to why. Um, to me, it, it they kind of, they paired off, really. It was Betts and Judge. I trust Betts to be on the field a little more, or a lot more, to be honest with you. Um, I think you put these two guys in the exact same lineup. They're both going to do, they're both going to give you the same production. It's going to be in different ways. Obviously, Judge going to be a little more power a little bit more, you know, on base over over bets and bets can be a little more average, a little more speed defensively. Like, fuck, take your pick, man. Like, you can hate on – you can prop up bets as much as you want. Judge is just as good. I, I put either one of them in my right field, and I'm fine with it. The only difference between the two is I think bets could play center field maybe a little bit better than, than Judge. But like I've said on this actually rankings episode before, if he was that good of an outfielder. Why isn't he playing center field? Why is he consistently in right field? So maybe he's not the guy, but those two were the clear ones there for me. Um, Harper and Acuna were right there. And honestly, Acuna could be number one, but coming off an injury and a guy like Trout, who's been consistently better, also coming off an injury, like they're kind of how I look at them are the same. And it's which one would I rather have? I'd rather have Trout still. And then Soto is the only one of this group that's not injury prone and just kind of killing everything over a Harper. So that's how it all played out for me. I put Harper, I'm a big fan of Harper. I'm kind of surprised I had him at four, but I just can't put him above Acuna's ceiling. I don't think as high as Harper's ceiling is, it's not as high as Acuna Jr.'s ceiling to me when you talk about the entire game. And then Trout, he's the best player in the game when he's healthy. We just got to see that he's healthy. Um, And this is kind of the same thing as DeGrom, where I think he is the best player in the game, but I can't put him there because of the health. And there's other guys who arguably are in the same stratosphere as far as performance, but I know we're going to be on the field. And Soto, man, what what does this guy not do? Absolutely amazing. I mean, he missed a few weeks of the season last year and still blew away the league in pretty much everything. I mean, if this guy ever hit below 300, I think everybody would be shocked. Uh, he's got the highest war over the last two years over everybody else. Trout would be beating him if he played more, but he's not playing more. 
Um, he's got a, you know, chip in stolen bases, 76 home runs, you know, over the last three years, like he's just doing absolutely everything. And I think with Soto, when you talk about a no doubt hall of famer with Acuna, Soto is, he's already a no doubt top five hitter in the game. By the time this is all said and done, if he's got over 15 years in the game, like if he stays, this is one of the few guys I've ever seen that I want to be protected. I don't want him to be allowed to run. I don't want him diving for baseballs in the outfield. I don't want him sliding to cut the ball. Let that motherfucker go to the wall. Give that runner from second to third. And then you go bang out a triple that you shouldn't have even touched the ball. Like he's so good at the plate. I would hate to see injury hit this guy and really lose. It's like with all the injuries to see with Trout, like we're losing a generational talent. Soto might be the best bat to ball guy that we have in the league right now. And really since Ted Williams, like, He's so good at the plate, his eye, the way he controls the zone. We haven't seen any, like, he's the only guy in the league that it's almost like the umpire's checking with him when he calls a borderline pitch. If he calls a borderline pitch a strike, it's almost like umpires look at Soto like, hey, did I get that right? And I haven't seen that since Barry Bonds. Like, the names you put this guy with in the history of the game is insane. And he is the best outfielder, maybe the best player in the game right now. If I was picking, if I was starting a brand new team, I'm probably going with Soto over everybody else for just a whole list of reasons. He's on the field. He seems like a great teammate. He seems like he's having fun. And what I've said a few times with him and some of the other, you know, Latin guys is there's a difference between like for me, Tim Anderson is a little bit of a showboater, like a little bit too much when he celebrates, when he does certain things, but like Juan Soto's dance at the plate, when he takes a pitch, especially when he did it against Zach Greinke, like Zach Greinke was mad because he did it and the attitude with it, but he's not doing it to show anybody up. That's how he gets locked in. And that's the type of showboating that I really like because it's for himself. It's to get his mind right for that at bat. And he does it better than anybody else in the game. This top six is exactly how I had it. So I, I'm really happy the way we laid this out. Uh, so there's a couple of things. I think Juan Soto will benefit. Well, I think the Washington Nationals will benefit from there being the National League DH. You, know, you mentioned not wanting to have one of the best hitters in our history uh, want to be out there doing stupid things. We see it with Mike Trout. The more you're in the outfield, the more likely you are to, to get hurt. So the NL having the DH, that opens up 15 more teams that are going to be willing to throw money at Juan Soto, which, you know, the way that we're looking at contracts, that, that man's going to get, he's going to be the one that gets over, you know, half a billion dollars in my opinion. You know, other thing with, with Mike Trout, I, I had Mike Trout the lowest here. Injury concerns. 100% injury concerns, right? We've seen it to a point where it, it's kind of like chronic, right? But he's a guy where we look at those numbers and nobody close. He does not have a season under 900 OPS, which is stupid, which is which is ridiculous But when you really think about it. When you have Mike Trout at the plate, you, you're you going to see something stupid. It, it, it's insane where a healthy Mike Trout, we are talking about potentially – we haven't talked about it so much recently because he has been hurt. But we, we see a healthy Mike Trout. We are potentially talking about the greatest player to, to ever play this game. And you know, I think we've forgotten. We, we've gotten away from that conversation. But still rings true. And just, just one thing I want to mention about Aaron Judge not playing center field, which he totally can. But, it, you know, save his body, man. You have a 6'8 dude, right? He, he's, he's, playing, he's playing the G League when nobody's looking. Like, let, let, let's save that man's body. Rob, let, let, let's go. Let's go to you, buddy. What are your thoughts on the top six? 
All right. So the top six was easy in terms of the six names that were going to be there. I think, look, you guys made good points about these players, but I'm going to make the points that I'm going to make just because, like, the top six was easy, but I had to hold myself back from making some decisions, right? So the way that our six played out, we all have Aaron Judge at six. I think we would all agree with the argument that if we were looking at it just from a, I guess, talent standpoint, if we want to say it like that, would we all agree that we could t- full health? Let, uh, again, let me just throw that out there. Full health, right? We would all agree that we could probably divide the top six into two sets of three that would be Soto, Okunia Jr., and Trout on one side, and Harper, Judge, and Betts on the other. Like, in terms, in terms of, like, three that you might consider slightly off compared to the other three, right? I think this is the first time, and I've been waiting for it to be possible, because like Nick perfectly said, Aaron Judge constantly gets overshadowed. When he is a similar kind of player to the guys that we hold as superstars. I don't care if you have hate for the Yankees or whatever, but like you have to give the man the respect that he deserves. This is the one time where I can definitively tell you I am taking Aaron Judge over Mookie Betts. Aaron Judge, I put Aaron Judge on at fifth, Mookie Betts at sixth. Last two seasons, I know Mookie's coming off his 60-game season of last year or whatever, but again, I'm taking full two-year samples, and the sample itself is almost perfect. Betts. Uh, Betts played in 177 games last two seasons. Judge played in 176. It's a 913 OPS for Judge compared to 878 for Betts. It's a 148 OPS plus compared to a 134 for Betts. It's a 283 batting average compared to a 273 for Betts. And they're the same level of fielder. What do you want me to say? Like, you feel me? Like, so that's why this year I I get it. Look, Dodgers fans that want to take Mookie Betts, I get it. Mookie is superstar level player he could very well easily come out this year and win the nl mvp by a landslide we all everyone in this recording everyone that follows baseball knows that but if you're asking me how to put them going into 2022 absolutely i'm taking aaron judge like going to 22 because again there is an argument to be made that he might be the second best fielder out of these six like uh, like there is an actual argument to be made for that and then if you're going to tell me that that judge's potential you know stand out seasons like I this is what I'll say about judge I think he fits perfectly at fifth because I couldn't bring myself to even though I I, I wanted to put him third or fourth I couldn't bring myself to make certain arguments for him right so I spoke about bets and judge right so this is what I think of the other four I honestly think that Harper is a better hitter than Okunia Jr. When when they are on, when they are on, like when if you tell me if you ask for my elite, elite years, like I think that that I think that we forget how good Harper is because he does have those periods of like inconsistency. He's definitely but, underrated right now in his career. I but, would say he's definitely yes, an underrated guy, dude. That the MVP that he just got, like it make it better wake people up again because for all the people that are talking about his time in Philly, he hasn't put up bad numbers in Philly, like. It, Dude, the last two years of Bryce Harper have been a 1.021 OPS. The only two players that rank ahead of him in OPS and in OPS plus in the last two seasons are Juan Soto and Mike Trout. That's it. And 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 again, Trout played in 89 games. 
Trout's played in 89 games. That's the reality. Out of 222 possible games in the last two seasons, Trout has played in 89. He has played in the least amount of games. Trout has played in less games in the last two years than Byron Buxton, who's played in 100. You see, that's why I say like we actually have to dive into the stats sometimes because our eyes and our, percep- and our perception lie to us, right? Like that's not to say that Byron Buxton isn't injury prone because he definitely is, right? But he's played in more games than Mike Trout in the last two seasons. So we do have to see how Trout comes back from injury. On a, on a personal level, I took, I took um, Okunia Jr. fourth because we do have to see how he comes back from injury as well. He has played in the third le- in the third least amount of game. It goes Trout, Buxton, Okunia Jr. in terms of guys that we have in our top 10 for games played. Okunia Jr. only has 128 games played in the last two seasons. He ranks under, again, if, if at full health, I'm taking Okunia Jr. over Bryce Harper. Right. I'll make that clear. But I'm saying I'm taking Okunia Jr. fourth because of the health thing this year, because I think that when Bryce Harper is MVP level Bryce Harper, he is a better hitter than Okunia Jr. I think I think I honestly think we forget that. Like and I'm talking about complete hitter. I'm talking about complete hitter. I'm talking about working walks. I'm talking about slugging percentage on base percentage. So so I'll say this. I'll (laughs) say this because last year before Acuna Jr. I mean, (laughs) before Acuna Jr. got injured. That was the part of the game that elevated him, where he seemed like he had matured from the free swinger to he was taking his walks, right? right? He was he was doing his damage that way. And I agree with you, by the way. I think Bryce Harper is a better hitter at this point in his career. But the one thing that the one thing that made me feel really good about Acuna Jr. before he got hurt is he was a lot more patient at the plate. He was he was picking his spots. Right. Um. I don't think we're gonna see things that he's been doing. Like I don't think he's gonna be a close to forty steal guy again. I just don't think that they'll want him to run. Mm-hmm. Right. Like he's probably not gonna play center field. They'll probably keep him on 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 in right. Right. Just do everything you possibly can to keep that young man healthy. Right. But Ronald Acuna Jr. I, I know. So I remember we had this conversation last year. Juan Soto or Acuna Jr. And my thing was, look, Acuna Jr. could do everything. Like, absolutely everything at a plus level, right? Where Juan Soto, he's a great hitter. That, that, that was kind of, like, his one standalone. He's a great hitter, but everything else, you're kind of like, eh, I can, I can, I can probably do a route, right? Like, Ronald Acuna Jr., if he hadn't gotten hurt, I believe we'd be talking about, huh, is Ronald Acuna Jr. there on the same level as Juan Soto? Not on the hitting level, but, like, as, as an overall player, right? No, so, I- but here's, but here's the thing. I, I think we still are having the same conversation. We are, because I told you, I would separate, I would set, if I was, if everything was considered equal, mm. I told you, I separate them into three groups, Soto, Acuna Jr. and Trout. I do have those three separated. I do think Acuna Jr. is better than Bryce Harper overall, but I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and answer the question of what guy do I want in the next five years? You feel me? Sure, if I'm going to, sure. if I'm going to answer the question, how do I rank them going into 2022? I'd take Harper. I take Harper. He's coming off an NL MVP. And again, we for, we forget we forget how elite the level because again, when Bryce Harper is on, I think I think we've seen like I think when Acuna Jr. is on, I think we've seen great hitting from him and like that he like scratches the surface of elite, right? When you look at his complete numbers, because like if like, like if we're talking like complete numbers, you have to take into that into account like traditional stats yeah. like batting average and things like that he scratches the surface of, of elite with that with that kind of stuff i think when bryce harper is on it's past that 
it's like it's 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 I am elite, and I might even be a tier higher than that. Like it, like I am establishing myself as one of the top hitters in baseball. That's the only reason I'm giving him the number three. When I think I think he could be four. If if you're asking me five years, I'm taking Acuna Jr. Yeah, yeah. But if you're asking me going into 2022. Look, my, my only thing with Bryce Harper, and, and it's the one difference from from anybody here except for, I wouldn't even say Juan Soto's liability, but Bryce Harper right now, where he's at, he's kind of a liability in the outfield. Where where if if you look at the advanced stats, he he's just not what he once was out there, right? Where I, right. I wouldn't say he was ever a Gold Glove caliber type defender, but he's gotten to the point where it's like, yeah, we that DH spot's looking might, might, mighty good out there. And, but really coming that, up look, that's a perfect that's a perfect point because because it, it'll go into into my into my into my quick uh, conversation about Soto mm-hmm. in a minute. But I just want to say, look, Mike Trout don't have to say much about him. If he's healthy, I would still think he's the best player in baseball. Yeah, he's played yeah, in eighty nine yeah. games, and those eighty nine games, nothing in those eighty nine games points to to Mike Trout being on a downturn in his career. Nothing. Yeah. He has a 1.029 OPS, 177 OPS plus, 301 batting average in those 81 not in those 89 games, nothing. Yeah. For that, I'm knocking him down one spot. One spot, one spot. He's one spot, man. One spot yeah, because yeah. he because I can't. I can't like look. I'm not saying that he won't I'm not saying that if he only plays like 60 games this year that he won't be like third or fourth for me next year. Like yes, I'll start to take I'd start taking it into a deeper consideration for sure, but Right now, I, I, Mike Trout's number two. I, I, I don't, I don't, I. If you're, at, if you're honestly asking me, I would not take any other player in front, in front of Mike Trout outside of the number one, who is Juan Soto. Um, look, I think the conversation about the the DH position potentially benefiting Harper and Juan Soto, if anything, that makes them more dangerous. Sure. Like no, if sure, anything, sure. if anything, look, it's it's. It's the part of the game, or it's the part of their games that are highlighted, right? Like, if we talk about a Juan Soto and Acuna Jr. comparison, if we give a lot of the stats, a lot of like more of the tools, right, to Acuna Jr., I am perfectly comfortable saying that Acuna Jr. will never be the level hitter that Juan Soto is. Definitely not. Definitely not. Like, Juan Soto's right. on a whole different level. Yeah. yeah exactly. And 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 that's what see like look and and i know i know like like for our boy nick here nick can you can you like because because this is just like a stat that that i was looking at like when i was when i was looking at the stats and stuff juan soto has an ops plus of 185 in the last two seasons nick what is a ops plus of 185 mean? <laughs> you're almost twice as good as every other player in major league baseball that 100 is league average, so you're Thank almost you. double every other player. Thank you. There is the, the closest other players are Trout and Harper at 177 and 173. Like, this man is almost twice as good as your average baseball player. He's, he's definitely twice bruh, as good as your like, average baseball bruh, player. Yeah. Bruh, like, like <laughs> it, just, it makes me laugh because, like, it's one of those things where, like, if you notice, a lot of people talk about baseball in like the around like the hardware conversation, right? And it's gonna be laughable because like Juan Soto still doesn't have an MVP, right? And we could very easily be in a situation where we go, look, the NL is loaded, bro. We just saw Harper take an MVP this year. Tatis Jr. could take an MVP any year. Soto could take an MVP any year. When Acuna Jr. is back, Acuna Jr. could take an MVP any year. Like it could literally be a conversation 
where we have a another 15 years of Juan Soto establishing himself as one of the greatest hitters this sport has ever seen. And he might have one MVP. Yeah. Like that is the, the, and people, that's why I'm telling people dive into the stats. Don't just go by, Oh, I saw that these three guys were, you know, top three nominators for, for MVP because you know, over in the AL right over in the AL Aaron judge didn't crack the top three for AL MVP this year. He finished fourth. Right, he, fin- he he almost cracked it behind Simeon, but he finished fourth. Aaron Judge put up an MVP caliber type season. He deserves yeah. he, he his spot is cemented in these top six, right? Like it's like that type of thing where like sometimes you don't see a lot of names like mentioned in these in these top conversations. But I'm like, yo, really dive into the numbers because again, Juan Soto's hitting is not just elite elite hitting people. It's on another stratosphere, man. Like this guy, look, Juan Soto. Another stat that I saw. Juan Soto led the, the, the league in walks this past season with 145 walks. No one has put up those type of numbers since like 0104 Barry Bonds. The closest to get to 145 was 143 Joey Votto like six years ago. And we consider Joey Votto to be one of the best eyes in the sport. Like that's, that's what I'm saying. Like this guy, whether you want, what do you want? What do you want? You want home runs? You want RBIs? You want walks? You want slugging OPS on base? What do you want? Yeah. What do you want? Like it's 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 literally the kind of situation where if this man, came, if Juan Soto came into the league like this, like like this season, let's say Juan Soto was becoming a rookie this year, right? And he was doing, and in these next four years, he did what he what he was doing right now in Washington, what he did these past four four seasons in his career, or whatever. He put up those same stats, but he was primarily a DH, right? Like he just came into the league as DH. I'd still be talking about Juan Soto as one of the greatest players this sport has ever seen. Like, not just one hitter. Player. I don't care. I don't care that he didn't step on the field. Player. Player. Because yeah. when his hitting is that good that it just demolishes everyone else's, there's, like, like it's the same way that we talk about defense, right? When we consider elite league defense, it's why a guy like Matt Chapman, who it has terrible hitting, can crack into a top 10, right? Like, it's, it's why we keep a lot of players in mind. Like, it's, it's, we, we take into account... The glove, like in these conversations, right? Again, I only hold it against the player if they're a an extreme, extreme, extreme liability, mm-hmm. which I, which can definitely be brought up in some of these cases. But Bryce Harper, probably the only one right yeah, now. Yeah, but Quanto is not like terrible. He's just but not like, as good but as like you like, me- yeah. but like you mentioned, if Bryce Harper gets put in the DH role for Philly, throw all that out the window, bro. If Bryce yeah. Harper, if Bryce Harper is just hitting for Philly, I mean, <laughs> I mean, right? Bryce Harper just hitting for Philly. I'll t- I'll tell you this. In the next six seasons, Bryce Harper probably adds another MVP to his collection. Like that's how, like like that's how good his hitting is. Yeah. Like Bryce Harper, when we actually look at it, like statistically, the only other person who touches or gets close to Juan Soto in the NL, in the NL hitting department is Bryce Harper. Like it's actually Bryce Harper. It's not Acuna Jr. Statistically, like I know what we see potential wise and stuff like that, but statistically, it's Bryce Harper. So you I mean. I'll just say this, like, because because my boy is a like Acuna is closer than you think, though. Like, I'm not saying he's on that level, but he's, I think he's close. He's closer than people make it appear, right? Where yeah, like he's he's obviously a tier down. I'm not I'm not saying he's not. Like those guys are at at, at again, no doubt first ballot Hall of Fame level, right? Where right. we're seeing two guys that when you when you look back and have a te- top twenty five to ever play the game, those two guys will be in there. Acuna Junior won't be, right? Just just because. He just, right? Like, he's not that, he's not at that level. Yeah. Right? But when you, when you talk about, like, his, 
His overall game. His overall game, I think that is something we do have to put into it, right? Like, I I know for a fact I have him, you know, you put him in right field, you put him in center, wherever you want to put him. That dude's going to be out there patrolling, right? Like, that dude's going to be out there making plays that a guy like Harper and a guy like Soto won't be making. And I'll say this, like, like I'm not saying that should be like the, oh, okay, like that's the overtaker because defense is a little bit less important when you're putting up those crazy-ass numbers. But it's nice. <laughs> Right, oh, like, it is. Like, it like is. it's nice. It's, it's nice that if I'm in a playoff game and I have Acuna at, at first, I know there's a potential that man steals second. Like I, I know there's a potential that man makes a plays with with with, with his legs, right? With oh, like sure. running. I mean, so yeah. I just don't want to discredit that part of his game because you know we talk about hitting and we're enamored with it, hitting numbers, which we should be, right? But there's other aspects of baseball that you can be really good at, and Acuna Jr. is borderline like great at some of those things when we talk about it. So I just don't want that to kind of go off like, you know. No, he is. He is. I just think, look, I think I think the biggest the biggest argument that I have for Soto is that Okuna Jr. Okuna Jr. is chasing Soto and Soto is not chasing him. I think that's the best argument that I have for him because I think I think even as a dude right now, right now, just right now, hmm. even if you put him in the same class, Okuna Jr. is chasing Soto. I don't think right now. I, so, so here's the I thing. don't think so. Yeah. I, you don't I'm think he's say. chasing Soto? No, I, I think the media has Soto chasing Acuna Jr. And but I'm th- but oh, but what do you have it as? I'm well, you're yeah. saying media has it. I'm saying what do you have it? At? What do you have? It yeah. As? So for for me, Acuna is, choos- is chasing Soto, and here's why for me is like you talked about. You're you're digging into the analytics, the numbers, like just the black and white to you know to look at them. But then you're also watching the game, and you know you even talked about earlier, Rob, how you've kind of gone a little more to the analytics versus just watching the game. When I watch the game, I can't explain how Acuna is so good. He gets the bat to the ball in a way that nobody else does. His swing is weird to me. Like, it's it's long, but he's so quick with his it, – it, it's, it's so weird. It's all hands. <laughs> exactly. It's all hands. And because I can't explain it, I can't tell you that Acuna Jr. is going to hit 300 with 40 bombs and 40 stolen bases. But with Soto, I can tell you he's going to hit 300, and he's going to get 100 walks, and his OPS is going to be 1,000. Like I see, that's for me why Soto is so far above. I shouldn't say so far because don't get me wrong, it's one A, one B, one C, whatever you want. Oh, absolutely. But the reason the reason I put Soto above and the reason I have Acuna chasing Soto is I can I can look at Soto and I can see why he's so good and he I think can make adjustments a lot easier. He's also completely fine with taking the walk. Where to Daniel's point earlier, I don't think Acuna was okay with that. Not, if Acuna he's, he's, really brings that into his world, holy shit! This, the talent level and the unexplainability of Acuna to me would make him a better player than Soto. But when you're talking about who do you want on your team for the next one, two, five, ten years, the reason I'm taking Soto is because I have less question marks as somebody watching it, and then the stats also back it up. It's crazy. And you're right. We're we haven't talked Barry Bonds type of hitter since Barry Bonds. Soto is that guy because he does literally everything, every stat you could possibly want on the offensive side. He fills the box, and you know why he's doing it. And he can make adjustments at 22. Get out of here. This dude's crazy. Yeah, no, I, I think, look, I, I think another point that, that comes to effect, because we, we talk about comparisons all the time, right? And I would say if, if, if we're talking about a conversation comparison and what I think the conversation between – Juan Soto and Okunya Jr. is going to end up being like, I would say Bonds versus Griffey. 
if I had if I had to say like that, where you consider both elite, yeah. you consider both greatest of all time, but there's something that separates them to the point where if you notice, no one's talking about Barry Bonds' defense in terms of San Francisco. Right, you bring up Barry Bonds' defense when you want to bring up his Pittsburgh years and stuff Man, like that I'm to make his argument. Lover, though. I, no, no, no. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. I'm, but I'm saying, but I'm saying, what I'm saying in the public eye. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. What do you remember Barry Bonds for? His yeah, hitting, no, of course. His yeah. hitting, right? So that's the same thing with Juan Soto, where I think it's going to be if we put Acuna in the same class. I would also argue that Acuna's floor is going to be much lower than Soto's. Oh, much lower, hundred percent. And I think, and, and I think that's where the conversation could separate itself because. Let's, I think it, conversation-wise, it's tough because I could see years where like Okunya wins a gold glove, right? But posts like an 850 OPS, right? And has, and has like a, like a okay year, but then Soto is still out here posting the 950, 1000 OPS, but then Okunya bounces back the year after with a 990 OPS. Like, it's like that type of thing where I don't see Soto having those sorts of floors long-term. So, so I, look, I'll, I'll just say this with Acuna Jr. Because, again, I think there, there is a perception trap with it, too, right? Like, Acuna Jr.'s lowest OPS in his career, 883, right? Um, Like, like that's pretty damn good. Like Wait, last I, wait year, what, was the, what was the OPS again? Last year before, before they, uh, getting in. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. So the lowest OPS in in Acuna Jr.'s career was eight eighty three. That's pretty. That's pretty damn good, right? Last year before getting hurt, it was at nine ninety and climbing. One of one of the things that sucked about Acuna getting hurt last year was that he was getting better as the season was going on. Like it wasn't like he he started hot. Like no, he was actually just hitting his groove when when he went down with injury. So again, like I'm not trying to compare him as as a hitter, but I just think because of the conversation we have with Juan Soto, it just makes it seem like Acuna Jr. is that far back when he really isn't, right? Like, like let's be honest, like if just I don't just think he, one. but that's that's the problem. I don't think he is. I think when I say Acuna Jr. is chasing Soto, mm. again, it's 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 one A, it's one it's one yeah, A one yeah. B. Uh, what I'm telling you is. If you're giving me a 1A and 1B option, I'm putting Okunya B. Like that, sure, that, sure. that's the only thing I'm saying. Like the sure. chase is like one, is, is like a toe. Like if they're yeah. in the exact same conversation. If you're telling me Okunya Jr., if you're rank Okunya Jr. Hmm. better than Juan Soto three years from now, that is that's a probable yeah. outcome. So, so I'm not I'm not saying just necessarily like you guys. I just think perception-wise, mm-hmm. right? Like people don't really people don't get how good Acuna Jr. has been. Where you know Juan Soto, he you know he was in the World Series, right? Which Acuna Jr. wasn't because he was injured, right? So mm-hmm. Juan Soto has kind of had the anyone who who is really into baseball, Juan Soto has been crowned as the you know again we mentioned the the, the, the greatest hitter is Barry Bonds, right? So he's been crowned that already. So you know automatically we think oh this guy's a great hitter. I don't think that same perception is had when we talk about Ronald Acuna Jr. and not that he should be on that level, but we undervalue how good he is as a hitter because he does everything else so great as well, right? Like, you know, it's, it's not it's not Mike Trout level, right? Mike Trout is doing something where again, Mike Trout's in the conversation of best players to ever step on the base. But then, but then, but then, let me ask you. Let me ask you, hmm. just just for comparison's sake. Then sure. what? Then what do you compare Acuna Jr. to? If you don't, if you say that Acuna Jr. is not Trout, or like, do you hmm. compare it to a Griffey? Because that, are we having the Bonds Griffey conversation, or or I, what? Like, what is his so, comparison? 
it's hard for me to say that the Bond Griffey because because Griffey just came out so hot, man, and, and yeah. he came out and, and changed the game in a way that that Okina Junior just isn't gonna do, right? So like, there's folklore attached to Ken Griffey Junior. So I, I think if at any point we mention Ken Griffey Junior, Kuna Junior, I don't think anyone's gonna be like, nah. Everyone's gonna be, like, yeah, that that, that, make, that makes sense, right? Like, so for comparison's sake, it's hard. Like, you you have to think of like someone that's underrated. Okay, Vladimir Guerrero Junior. That that's who I think on Acuna Junior is kind of like. I mean, not, no, sorry, not Vladimir Guerrero Junior. Vladimir Guerrero Senior. Senior, senior, senior. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's okay. what I meant. Sorry about that. Senior, not 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 Junior because he's older than Junior. But Vladimir Guerrero Senior, I think he's a guy that throughout his career he was undervalued, right? If we're gonna be honest, there's no point where he was playing where we're like, oh, this guy's gonna be an MVP, right? Like, yeah, he had some some great years, and and then you know, I think everyone thought of him as one of the greatest players in the game, but like think about that. Think about that era. Those times where he was overshadowed, even though he was the best player in the league or close to the best player in the league. I think that's a good comp for Acuna Junior. Where the dude's gonna produce, he's gonna do everything. But at the end of the day, we're probably not gonna, obviously, because the guys we have, like you know, the Juan Totos and some of that, we're not gonna yeah, no, no. talk about him. And he's gonna be overshadowed, kind of like Vlad Senior was. Yeah. That's where I think. That's where I think we're at with Acuna Junior. Yeah, no, I I think, you know, it, it's going to come down to that, right? But again, it's like you mentioned, it might just be, it might just earned, end up being a situation that's just not his fault, right? Like, yeah, yeah. at the oh, end of the course, day, yeah. if Ronald Acuna Jr. posts 40 home runs and 100 RBIs and a 990 OPS in a year that Soto or Tatis Jr. post an, an 1100 OPS, right, or something like that, then yeah. it is what it is, right? Like, we all know, we all know who the probable MVP is going to, right? Like, in those yeah. times, in those kind of years. That might be the situation. He, but but again, I yeah. think I, I think that point could be made for Soto. I think the point could be made for Soto uh, the same way that it, that is Tatis Junior. I I think look honestly that it's the, the those three guys, those three juniors that we talk about over in the NL, yeah. like it's a conversation where any given year, any single one of them could be the top player in the league. Any single like again, we don't have three MVP awards, right? <laughs> like we just don't, yeah. we don't, <laughs> we don't. Only one of you is getting it. So like it's like that type of thing where like. Diving into the numbers is like what you really have to do sometimes to like create that separation. I don't think, look, I don't think Ronald Acuna's numbers, just for just so people understand, it's Soto has a 1.042 OPS, Acuna has a 989 in the last two seasons. That is elite. That is elite. That is, that is, <laughs> that is almost a thousand OPS. Like that is elite. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying Soto has been better. And, and, and right. at the same time, right. and when Acuna comes back, yeah, I do want to. I, honestly, I do want to see. I, I think I had him again fourth. I do want to see how he comes back from injury in the same way that I want to see how Mike Trout comes back from injury. Obviously, you know me. If I'm going to give props, some I'm giving it to Trout, right? Like, yeah. if the conversation is Trout, I'm giving it to the guy who's been the best player in baseball, undisputably, the last five yeah. seasons. Like, so of, of course, I only knocked down Trout one, where I might have knocked down Acuna like two, right? Yeah. But. I, I think, no, it's a good conversation to have. I don't, again, it's not going to surprise me if we're here next year talking about Okunya oh, Jr. came back and like, and posted this crazy year and won the MVP. At the, Cause he's that, he's that caliber of player. I just think it's, I think the, I think long-term the Okunya Jr. and Soto conversation is the fun one. Like when we're talking 10 years down the line, 15 years down the line, how their careers are panning out, that's going to be a great one to have. But right, right now I'm giving the edge to Soto, but Okunya Jr. has his feet planted in this conversation. No, absolutely, man. I, I'm just saying, like it's. <laughs> I, think the I, I get it. I get it. Part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, 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 like it's like a, like 
<laughs> what the hell? What? <laughs> nah. So, so like, just just like a number that people might not think of Kunal Jr. Dude already has a 40 home run season. Right? He yeah. almost went 40-40 um, a, a couple years back before that, like, weird 2020 season that we had. Um, yeah. And then, you know, it, it'd be a disservice out here without, like, just mentioning Trout one more time. Because the, the truth is, a healthy Trout, I don't, like, even, even with Soto, a healthy Trout's probably not that close. Because we're, we're talking about multiple years of plus thousand, like, OPS. Again, last year, before he got injured, he was probably having the best season of his career offensively. Um, yeah, no, actually, that that I think he only played. I think if I remember correctly, didn't he only play like thirty something games last, yeah, yeah, last was, season was before he went down? Small, like thirty six games. Yeah, but those games were insane. Like, like what, what are the right. stats on those? Like, uh, thirty six game, <laughs> thirty six games, eight home runs, eighteen RBIs. I think he was hitting like three thirty three with a nine nine. Uh, no, a ten ninety OPS. Yeah, that, that's pretty dumb. <laughs> yeah, that's, no, that's he, dumb. He, like he was going ten ninety OPS is. In those 36 games, that 1090 OPS would be his career high. Because his yeah. career high for an entire season is 1088. So he was like <laughs> starting off probably the, the most red hot he's ever started for his age 29 season. And, and then and injury was, just had to take him down. It was with no Rendon because Rendon was hurt to start the season. It was right? without Otani having the the, – the, well, Otani was on the way to having yeah. his explosion. Yeah. But Trout was right there. Like that – yo, that is a point that I was telling people too where I was like, look. Um, not to shift conversation here because it's definitely going to be in one of our other episodes, but yeah. since we're on Trout and people might forget, y'all need to be thankful that Mike Trout was out for the Shohei Otani explosion in terms of how he was perceived in the media because it's very different when you have Otani doing what he's doing on the Angels and Mike Trout is down compared to Mike Trout being Mike Trout and po- obviously posting better numbers because yeah. he's Mike Trout. But like, it, you know, I, I mean... I don't want to say it as like a negative thing. I'm just saying it more as a perception thing. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Having Otani and Rendon and Trout healthy in the same lineup, I've said it multiple times, would be a glorious sight to see. Yeah, but, true. you know, I think I think Trout, Trout in a way, in the same way that we talk about perception, like, again, people, people, people who might not follow the game that closely might just still be under that same impression of Mike Trout is the undisputed number one. There is no one that comes near Mike Trout or anything like that, which again, could be true. But if you take the last two years into account, you take everything, right, right. the injuries, everything into account, the conversation is, is way closer. And, and there is space for someone to take that new number one spot. Like, that's just the way that it is, that it's playing yeah. out. You know, I, I, to me, it's fairly obvious we got three guys that without, yeah. you know, when you think about the three guys, DeGrom, Tatis Jr., Trout, those are three guys that are undisputed number ones on everyone's list and shouldn't even have an argument if, there wasn't, if, if injuries weren't a thing, right? Yeah, like, yeah. No, I I think for sure like that that like that is my starting outfield. If 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 injuries are if everything is equal, ev- I I think for the most part everyone should have a Soto Trout Okuna Jr. outfield <laughs> right now as top three. Yeah, yeah, with Harper DHing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yo, and, and then Judge and Betts on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> yo, Angels gotta do the right thing. Yo, move 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 Mike Trout from center, bro. Move bro, just send just send Trout to uh Knicks team out in Pittsburgh, man. Give him a, give him a start. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> nah, pair him over there with uh with uh start third baseman Cabrian Hayes. You know, like y'all could y'all could, they could form a super duo over there. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. Yeah, but yeah, move Mike Trout to left, right? Like even King Griffey, like nobody remembers this. King Griffey like ended his career in right field and DHing for the White Sox, right? Yeah, like, like, like it games. has to happen. 
it, it has to happen, right, for these guys to stay healthy, right? It's not, it's not like you're demoting them, right? Like, I think that whole perception thing has to go away. Like, move them, move them from, like, the, se- the second or third most demanding, like, fielding position on the, on the diamond, right? Let's make it easy for him to, to stay out there. Yeah, but look, that's pretty much it for us, right? We, we've ranked all our fielders, right? We, we, we did our starting pitcher episode. I, I want to say we have a DH episode, a relief pitcher episode, which, yes. trust me, nobody, nobody hates relief pitcher episodes like me because <laughs> everyone, it's like, you know, one, one year you're going to post a .9 ERA. Oh, yeah. Then no, you're gonna, the, the relievers are <laughs> the most volatile thing. Like, the, again, yeah, no. Like, I, I'm really going to have to do a deep dive because, yeah, I'm sure that guys that we're here talking about Yo, he had a 1.8 ERA this past mm-hmm. next year ago, and it's like, man, 4.14. Like, what happened? Like, that's what it is. I, I'm I mean, just going to throw darts at my list. There's no reason to put up stats behind it. Bro. It's Hater, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? Like, it's like it's Josh Hater, and then it's like, eh. Like, it's, it's like on, names that come to your mind first. Like, oh, oh, Hendricks, oh, Chapman, oh, Kimbrough. Like, let's see where they rank. Like, uh. But. It's like if you put on a Rays uniform, like it doesn't even matter. Like we, <laughs> yeah. we should yeah. have, we should just have Rays on there, right? Like not yeah. even picking. It's hater than the Rays staff than everybody else. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Number, yeah, like number number four, Rays bullpen. <laughs> like we just couldn't pick out one. It's like yeah. the bullpen ERA is like a one point five. Like yeah. man, dude. Honestly, I mean, like, and and we can talk about it. Later. Maybe we should just rank bullpens. To be honest, because this, this individual stuff is kind of rough. With, that's with a good. That's uh, that, that honestly might be a good way to go about it too, though. Like the, yeah, uh, yeah. do a bullpen, do a bullpen ranking. Yeah, it's a, it's a Chicago, good. It's Chicago a, probably number one. Oh, the White Sox. Yeah, the White Sox. Are, <laughs> White Sox getting nasty. <laughs> All right, yeah. man. Yo, look, we're, we're gonna get out of here. But catch those episodes coming coming to you. Yo, be excited. We got an opening date, right? We got yes. an opening day date. Spring we're back. training, yes, back, right? Pitchers and catchers. Signings are gonna be absolutely wild in the next. By the time you hear the next episode. Yeah. You're probably gonna have Freddie Freeman on the team, right? Yeah, even, I, I, I'd be really surprised if Freeman or Correa <laughs> don't sign by the next. Yeah, episode. like man, we, we we didn't even mention things like the Carlos Rondon signing, right? Like, yeah, Giants scooped them up. You know, yeah, they did. That's crazy. That was Kershaw, a good deal. Kershaw back to the Dodgers, right? Um, you know, Iglesias. Yeah. I don't, this one doesn't really matter as much, but to the Rockies, who um. That we don't talk about the Rockies. Yeah, it's been it's been more of the it's been more of the pitching and like a lot like a lot of the the standout name hitters haven't signed yet. Like that's that's what a lot oh, of teams have to start throwing yeah. money at. Cassiano's still still out there. Bryant yeah. still out there. Story, um, Correa, Freeman, Kikuchi is not um, out there anymore. Yeah, Yo, look, I'm just saying, if you scrub, I'm gonna call you on it. You got to be thankful that he's in Toronto and and not out there for the Yankees to get desperate and be like, hey, yo, take this money. (laughs) We're legit about to see a 10 ERA from a starting pitcher who gets 25 starts. Like he's going to have two two numbers in front of his decimal point. I I see see Dylan about to uh, try to choke us out. All right, man. Yo, we'll we'll catch you guys later, man. We'll see you. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Diamond Talk. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up at diamondtalkpodcast.com at gmail.com that's diamond talk podcast at gmail.com to catch up on our old episodes or if you want to check out the rest of the awesome pods that we have under the ssaw network head to our website at tssaw.com and do not forget to subscribe see y'all next week and we'll catch you on the field